0: Y'all, let's give the Regen Band a round of applause. Dude, so gifted, and we're so thankful, and it's crazy. Jared and I didn't talk, and the message that he's already been proclaiming is what I want to share again tonight as we wrap up the Family of Origin series. So my name is John Elmore. I have a new life in Christ. I'm recovering from alcoholism, fear of man, and I would say this past weekend specifically, like depressive, angsty thoughts that led me to just be short with my wife and kids. Hey everybody, good to be with you here on Mondays at Regen. So as I said, we're, we're gonna be concluding tonight the Family of Origins series. And to do so, I wanna start with a Family of Origins story from my life. So I'm uh, talking to one of my, my oldest son, so one of my boys, and he was five at this point in time. He's almost eight now. But I remember we're sitting in our bedroom and we're talking about something that he had done It was sin. He had probably hurt his little sister or something. And so I'm in there talking to him. And I say, like, you know this is wrong. We've talked about this, gave him a consequence, and no joke. He goes, Dad, Adam and Eve sinned first. And so really this is their fault and I can't help it. I was like, you're actually right. You're actually entirely right. Like, I didn't have come back for that. I'm like, you're right. You're a natural born sinner. Like, that's all you... That's all you can do. Like, you are an offspring of Adam and Eve from whom centered into the human race. Like, you're right, actually. You haven't trusted in Jesus yet. It is their fault, and you can't help it. You have indwelling sin. The depravity of man is upon you, which led into a gospel conversation and, I think, a spanking. Uh, Not for talking back, but for the consequence he deserved. And don't call CPS, the Proverbs say, to discipline your children. Don't spare the rod. Um, it It will lead to blessing. Just don't do it in anger. But it's in that family of origin that we've been talking about, Bryce and Grant, as they've been walking us through, like the depravity of man that entered into us, this family of origin that we've been born into, this broken state. But tonight, in the conclusion, we're gonna talk about the transition or the transfer from family of origin into family of Christ. Family of origin into family of destination. Family of temporary into family eternal. If you are in Jesus. And there are so many implications, but tonight we're gonna talk about three as we walk through the scriptures of Ephesians 1, 3, 4, and 5. uh, Verses, not chapters, you're welcome. And so what we're gonna talk about is uh, covered, reparented, and adopted. Covered, reparented, and adopted. And so the first, covered, here it is, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. i want to stop there for a second. God and Father. There there are many names for God throughout Scripture, but when you get to the Old Testament, because of the cross of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, there then comes this new term that is not seen as much in the Old Testament, and it is the term Father, or in Romans 8, Abba. It is not a formal term. it's, It's the equivalent of... My kids calling me daddy. It's like a term of endearment, a term of nearness, a term of proximity, not formality, of father. And when God said of all the names that he could offer that his children would call us, he says father. And some of us that evokes something really broken like, man, my dad, absent dad, aggressive dad, whatever it may be. It's altogether different, as he invites us to call him Father, and and we're going to hear why, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he equates Father, we're not talking Trinity, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, he sent to save us from our sins. It says, who has blessed us, so blessed be God the Father, who has blessed us, there's a transfer of blessing, in Christ, he is the means by which, so these blessings are not upon us. Generally, but through Christ, for those of us who is trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, there's a transferring of blessing to us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So thematically, you've got blessed be God through uh, the blessing of Jesus. Now, every spiritual blessing given to us in the heavenly places. And how I sum that up is he's got you covered. And when I think about this with my kids, like we walk into Brahms and they're not like fishing through their pockets to pull out like a doll and a paper airplane or what. They have nothing to offer there. They know they walk in with me and I've got it covered. And all they do is share with manners to the Brahms employee, like I'd like a mint chocolate chip and a waffle cone or I'd like a a cup of birthday cake. Those are Hill and Judd's typical orders. And they don't even like think that they have to do anything because they know I've got them covered. It's not a question in their mind. Why? Because they're my children and they know that I'm the one who said, get in the car, we're going to Brahms. And so they're like, cool, dad's got it. They never once are thinking like when they show up to the dinner table, like I wonder if dad's gonna come through. When I call them to the dinner table, there's gonna be dinner. When I say get dressed for school, there's going to be clothes. When I say take your vitamins, there's going to be something there for them to take in that little cup. I've got them covered because they're my kids. It's my job as a dad. Now, I fail. I'm not batting a thousand. I'm not a perfect dad. That's not what I'm trying to portray. But I am drawing a parallel that as I have my kids covered, God has you covered. It says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, meaning it can't be undone. It's in, the, it's in the heavenly places where God reigns. So no matter the circumstances here, he's like, it's fixed, it's set, I got you. And it's not just spiritual blessings. So we're not just thinking like love, joy, peace, you know, through the spirit, but man, I got real needs, God. Because elsewhere in scripture, Jesus would say, don't fret, don't worry. You don't have to toil and store, store up. Like, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I got you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness because God has got you covered. Why? Because you're his children if you are in Jesus. And he says, every spiritual blessing, not some, not most, not 50% of the time, every time. Jesus would also say, if your fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father? Every good and perfect gift coming down from the father of heavenly lights in whom there is no shifting shadow, meaning he doesn't change. He's not temperamental. You don't have to worry if he's angry God the Father or like loving God the Father. He is your Father and he doesn't change and he knows what you need. My son gave me a Christmas list with like 13 things and some I got and some that I did not. One of them was a $500 gift card to Amazon. I'm like, do I need to remind you what my job is? But there were other things on there that I was like, yeah, I'll get that for you. And so it is with God. We go to him, we know he's a good father. He's gonna give us not always what we want, but what we need. And often, truly though, what will be good for us. He's got us covered. Second, reparented. This is different from family of origin. All of us grew up in in a parental structure and we learned by nurture under their care, under the family system, under the habits, under the environment, under the hereditary things that were just like transferred to us and we were parented in that way, in some real brokenness, and it's inevitable. None of you got away, like, without some of the emotional or mental or physical wounding of parenting, and I know, I've said to my community group, like, I know that I'm making father wounds in real time, and it pains me, but I feel kind of like my son at the beginning, like, I don't know that I can do any different. Like it puts me in this desperate daily dependence upon God. Like, Lord, you've got to help me. But the family of origin wounds are real and therefore we are reparented by our eternal father. And here it is in Ephesians 1.4. Even as he, God, chose us in him, there's Jesus again, he chose us in him. He's the means by which he can choose us. Because God is holy and we are sinners prior to Christ. So he can't He can't choose us apart from Christ, but he can choose us in him, before the foundation of the world. There's a Lamb's Book of Life that was written before God even spoke the world into creation. And he penned your name, if you are in Jesus, like she or he is mine. And when they are born, I will be pursuing after them until their day of salvation, I will choose them in Jesus. It says before the foundation of the world, That, here's the purpose, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And and theologians don't know if that in love is tied to this verse or to the next. And I would say, like, God probably intentionally left that a mystery. Because it says he chose us in him to be holy and blameless. Holy means to be entirely set apart, holy unto God, entirely unto God, like a living sacrifice. Like, God, my life only for your purposes, I'm set apart unto you. There's no part of me that I reserve for my own sinful doing anymore. I'm all yours, all in. You've rescued me, and therefore my life is yours. Holy, my body, mind, and soul for use by God. And then also blameless, meaning without sin, without blemish. This is a term they would use for a a sacrifice in the Old Testament, like find a lamb that was spotless or without blemish. And so he's like, not only be set apart unto God, holy, but also without sin, well, that's impossible, this side of eternity, and yet he calls us to that because that's our longing, it's our desire, and it's uh, the forerunner, Christ, that we're to emulate and model by his power to love God and hate sin, and so there's this reparenting that's happening now, whereas before, the parenting might be like, well, you know, be aggressive, be controlling, be apathetic, be passive, be lazy, be overzealous, be a workaholic, be an alcoholic, whatever that wrong parenting was, now God's saying be holy and be blameless and love. And so we're re-parented. I was talking to my kids once and they said something was stupid. And I said, hey, don't, don't say stupid. Like it's, that's not a good thing to say about something. I said, where did you learn that? Is there, did you hear that from another kid? And they said, dad, we heard it from you. <laughs> Family of origin. Or we're being reparented now by God who's giving us good words, good actions, good character by the Holy Spirit, not by your own gumption. You're covered, God's got you covered, you're reparented, and then also you're adopted. This is different than being chosen. I can choose to some degree my neighbors, I can choose to some degree my coworkers, I can even choose my wife, Laura. Being adopted is this unilateral decision where God has set his affections upon you and says, you were an orphan, now I am adopting you. An orphan doesn't choose the parent. The parent chooses the orphan. And when they have been chosen, there is a legal decree that they now become an adopted son or daughter with the exact legal rights as a biological son or daughter. In this case, and this is mind-blowing, it says that we are co-heirs with Christ because Jesus, the only begotten son of God, not biological, but spiritual in a Trinitarian sense, now he adopts us as sons and daughters. And that adoption, we become co-heirs with Christ, his family always, even more so than family of origin, our fathers and mothers that we were born into, which is by blood, which will have an ending. Here now, spiritually adopted, if we placed our faith in Jesus, it says in Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through, again, through Jesus Christ. Everything's pointing to the cross because there is no approaching God. There is no adoption by God. There is no reparenting by God. There is no being covered by God with every spiritual blessing apart from Jesus who came to save us from our sins, died the death on the cross, and was raised again. It's all through Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. I remember uh, my daughter, like sometimes Laura and I will go out into the backyard after we get the kids down and just like hang out when the weather's nice, sit by the fire pit, catch up for a little bit. And Penny sometimes will get out of her bed and we find her like, we can hear like this faint screaming like, like did you leave the tv on is that the neighbors and then we like open the door and penny is like all through the house screaming turning the house upside down because she thinks she's been left or sometimes sometimes here at church we'll get stuck in a conversation and he'll be left there in the kids ministry and be like he he said just this last weekend please don't be late please don't leave me alone There is this longing in the human heart, like, don't leave me. We don't want to be alone. There's a loneliness and anxiety. It's why holidays can be really hard because we know there's supposed to be this togetherness and anything we're celebrating is only as good as you can celebrate it with somebody else. Like nobody sits alone intentionally to celebrate something. But here, being adopted into the family, God is dispelling loneliness and saying, never again. You're adopted. You are mine And you can't unsun or undaughter yourself what God has done. He says, according to the purpose of his will, not our will, but that he has foreordained and determined and set his love upon you legally through the blood of Christ, sons and daughters, that we would never be alone or separate ever again. And what that also means is that for some of you in the room, if you've not yet trusted in Jesus, you're spiritual orphans. And I remember this. I remember this in 2005 when I had a gun to my head and I was an alcoholic and I was living on a couch, like feeling so alone, so desperate, so like I have to take care of myself, like almost like a kid living on the streets, like it's all up to me. I call the shots, I I get things by my own effort, I've gotta lie and scheme and manipulate. It was all on me and it was a crushing weight and all that happened after 30 years of trying is I became more and more undone until in the Lord's drawing me to him, there was a surrender. And he became my father. I became his son all through Jesus. And my life is exactly what the shirt says, has never been the same since that 30th year when I trusted in Jesus. And so for some of you who may feel like you're in that place right now of spiritual orphan, tonight can be your night to place your faith in Jesus, be adopted by the Father, filled by the Holy Spirit, brought into the family of God and reparented because he's got you covered and he loves you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for these words in Ephesians chapter one that you have us covered. That you reparent us. You don't leave us as we are, but you change us and move through us. And that you adopt us through Jesus Christ. We love you. Amen. All right, let's welcome to the stage our testimony. It's me, sorry. You get me again. We had a, no, you don't have to welcome me. We had a a testimony that wasn't able to make it. And so um, I I wanna share in brief my testimony according to the Regen 12 steps. I remember walking into my first AA meeting, and I was like, which I I still have on my keychain, the 24-hour chip from, frankly, 16 years ago. I'm I'm like, golly, like eight days away from uh, 16 years of sobriety, which is timely for tonight. My sponsor was always like, I can get you a 10-year chip, a 12-year chip, a whatever chip. And I'm like, nah, I'm keeping my 24-hour chip because I know that I just need God every single day. And I don't wanna rest on the performance of the past. Like I know I gotta stay close because I know who I was apart from him and I don't ever wanna go back. So here it is, like my life through the lens of the 12 steps. As I said, in 2005, I was living on a couch. I just found out about the relationship that I was in. There was uh, infidelity, and so I was like, with one of my friends, and so I was like, cool. I got an easy solution. I'm killing you, uh, my friend, and then I'm gonna kill myself. And so I called my buddy about 100 times to try to find him and kill him. When I couldn't, I put the gun to my head, flipped off the safety. It was a 12-gauge shotgun, drank myself to sleep that night. There was a family intervention. And they were like, you're either going off to rehab or you're staying here with us. And I was like, let me just, let me go to AA. I didn't even think I was an alcoholic. I just thought it would get him off my back. And when I went through those doors, uh, what I found was, I was like, dude, everybody needs this. Like, because everybody's got something. But I didn't know that this, specifically, that there would be a Christ-centered, biblically-based 12-step in the church. And so here it is, 12-step, like, through my life. Step one was admit. Admit that I was powerless. And I heard as a kid, uh, there's freedom in Christ. I'm like, no, there's not freedom. It's actually bondage. He keeps me from doing everything I wanna do. It's anything but freedom. Until I realized that I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to alcohol, weed, pills, materialism, greed, women, lust, status. like I was I was so a slave. And so it took me admitting that I was powerless. But at that point also, I was more of a deist. I was like, well, you may exist, but you have nothing to do with me. And so step two was believe. Believe that God could change me. That there was a power greater than myself, the higher power, not one of many, but God alone who could change me. And in my desperation, I quit like trying on my own self-actualization. I was like, all right, like here's what I did after 30 years of my best effort, so I'm listening. And then step three, I'll never forget. I I got on my knees by that couch that I was living on. Like it was right here where I would sleep every night, face to the ground, and I prayed, God, I've squandered everything you have given me, but whatever I have left, it's yours. And I was like, you get... You get my money, my mind, my body, my job, my relationships, where I live, what I do. It's all, my computer, my phone. I remember being like, it's all yours. I have wrecked it. And I thought like, I had no idea what he would do. But step three, trust. Like I was like, all right, you get it all. I have wrecked it. Here's my broken parts if you want them. And it was like this master trash artist. He's like, no, give me that. Give me the broken relationships. Give me the alcoholism. Give me the homelessness. Give me all that brokenness. I'm going to make something beautiful, which is the gospel. Step four was inventory. I remember sitting across the table from Charlie, who was my mentor, and I had acronyms uh, at the bottom of the page because I was like, dude, there's no way I'm going to share my deepest, darkest, ugliest sins, frankly, uh, that that I had done and that had been done to me. There's no way. So, you know, slip him a couple of like, here, I drank too much with this you know, person. I, I slept with this person or whatever, but I'm gonna hold these cards, see how this goes. Like, I don't know this guy, I don't trust him. And at the end of it, he was like, is there anything else? And it was like, I wanna be free. Yeah, there's something else. I was sexually abused when I was a kid and I hadn't uttered those words ever. It was the secret that I was going to take to the grave. But the truth of the matter is, it was that secret that was taking me to the grave. Because I was like, I'm not telling anybody. I was so ashamed. Like, why didn't I run? Why didn't I fight? Why didn't I yell? And what does this mean about me? And uh, he sat across and he's like, yeah, that happened to me too. I love you. Anything else? So I walked through the next like scrawled acronym. Anything else? And I did my step five, which is to confess. James 5.16 says, confess your sins and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Not shamed, not shunned, healed. And it brought healing. I remember driving home from his house, just yelling like so free, just like. (sighs) Because the weight of sin and shame and condemnation just came falling off in the name of Jesus Christ. Step six was repent. Like I can't keep living the way that I'm living. And so I remember I used to hide my AA book and I I like didn't have a Bible. And I'm like, dude, I'm out. I like outed myself, but not in the like, I'm coming out with my sin way. I was like, I'm out. Like I was an alcoholic, maybe I still am, but I I am done with that life. And I started telling everybody would listen. Yeah, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm going to an AA meeting. I'm reading this Bible, I'm tearing it apart. The guy that I told I wanted to kill, get to that part. But it's like, everything in me was changing. And it was because of the Holy Spirit. I'd tried changing previously, it didn't work. And it was number seven, step seven, follow Jesus. That began changing everything as I was repenting, turning from sin by turning towards Christ. And then step seven, follow Jesus. I stopped going to AA. And my sponsor was like, where'd you go? I was like, man, I don't need more AA, I need more Jesus. So I was like tearing apart my Bible in church every time it was open, just like hungering for this God that I had neglected for so long. And then step eight came, forgive. And it it didn't take long. I was reading in James where it says, uh, a spring cannot produce both salt and fresh water. Brothers, it must not be. And immediately the spirit was like, yeah, you know that guy you hate that you wanted to kill? Can't be. And so I called the guy who had cheated on my girl that I wanted to kill and I was like, hey, would you please forgive me for the horrible things I said to you? In this like kind of mind-blowing, only through the lens of Christ could happen event, I'm asking his forgiveness. But I meant it. It wasn't just because I had to. Jesus had changed my heart. I was asking his forgiveness. And then the girl, I'm like, hey, it was, probably, it was probably pretty miserable, to be with an alcoholic in that relationship. Would you please forgive me? And uh, yeah, they had a kid, I sent him a baby gift. And it wasn't because it was like, oh God, I have to. Jesus says, love, pray and bless your enemies. And so I'm like, man, I still pray for them like I long for them to be saved. And then step nine was amends. I remember there was this landlord, I destroyed her house. We, we <laughs> moved out and then, but I, I had access, well, I made access to the house after we moved out. I used to throw parties there, which is breaking and entering. Uh, There's a term for it. And I like threw parties in the house after we left and smashed out chandeliers. Like I mean, terrible. And I remember going. I I'd left my job. I was I, I was in ministry, broke, so broke. And I remember I was at a in Austin for a wedding, and I put $250 in my pocket that was very expensive to me at that time because I'd quit my job. And I walked into her place of business. Her husband was a lawyer, which makes the breaking and entering thing a little more intimidating. And I said, hey, Mrs., I'll say Ms. W., in case this gets posted, Ms. W. And she was like, John, and like made it worse because she loved me, and she was super nice. I was like, I broke into your house, and I, I destroyed it. And this is just a start for the cleaning fees, probably the electric bills. I smashed out the light. And she was like, don't worry about that. I was like, "Uh, will you please forgive me? I don't deserve it. I was an alcoholic, that doesn't excuse it, but Jesus has changed me. No joke, she was like, pushes the money back, and she's like, I'm so glad you're okay. Would you please talk to my nephew? I was like, what? Like, only Jesus can do that. Step nine, amen. Step 10 is continue. I had somebody ask me, this was in ministry, I said, hey, we're we're gonna confess, We're gonna talk about how we've been abiding and then we're gonna talk about how we've been discipling others. And the person said, well, that's good for this quarter, but what are you gonna do next? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'll never in my life stop confessing my sin, stop talking about how I've been abiding with the Lord and stop making disciples. Like, that's the Christian life. Like, I'm not gonna stop. And so step 10, this isn't a recovery thing or a regen thing. It's that we just live out the steps ongoing. Step 10 is continue. Like, anytime I stop confessing, or repenting, or asking for forgiveness, which I asked my kids for when I was short with them on Sunday. Like I was like, hey, you know who sinned the most? They're like, Penny. I was like, no, not Penny. They're like, Hill. I was like, no, not Hill. And then finally, my son was like, Dad. I'm like, you're right. It was Dad. I sinned the most. Will you please forgive me? Like Anytime I stop doing that, I'm, I'm not living according to the Lord. And so this isn't a recovery thing, it's not a regen thing, it's a Christian thing. We continue, step 11 is abide. This deepening relationship with the Lord, it's this daily walk throughout life. Galatians 5, 16, so I say walk by the spirit, which is all day, every day, and the promise, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. So we just get to walk with God because he's the one who keeps us on the straight and narrow and away from sin. He keeps us holy and blameless. And then step 12, I've been in regen for 10 years now. 10 years and seven months I've been a part of this ministry. And that's regenerate, that having been changed, we now go and share that with others. It's the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And so uh, it's what I've had the privilege of, of doing for the last 10 years is serving in this way with Regen, being with you, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we together exalt Christ, not Regen. And we see miracles before our eyes in each other as he changes us. And so that's my life according to the 12 steps. Really, it's just according to the biblical scriptures that are there that have informed it and Jesus who has changed me, the spirit who sanctifies me and the father who's adopted me. And so it's a, it's a joy to share that. And the reason why I end there with step 12 and this has been the last 10 years is because recently the elders said, hey, would you consider being one of two teaching pastors on Sundays? And so my job is gonna be changing I won't be here on Mondays because I'll be there on Sundays, and uh, I, lo- I love you all. I love this ministry. There's there's this this Monday night thing that God is doing. That's miraculous, and I love it so much. And I will miss you all so much. It's not that I'll be gone forever. I mean, I'll, I'll come back from time to time if they'll have me. But uh, but that does leave a gap. And so I we began praying and thinking. Well, who who would assume that role, and we didn't ask many people, we asked one person, and this one person we knew had to emulate the heart of a shepherd, had to care more about people than a position, had to care more about someone's pain than they do a platform, and have a deep heart from God that would love people and not compromise on truth, but instead have that perfect Christ-like mix of truth and grace. And so uh, we approached Ryan Nixon, who's the director of Reengage. He's been, for the last eight years, walking with married couples through pain and turmoil and division to see healing by Christ into those marriages individually and together as they are one. And Ryan said yes. And so I wanna invite Ryan to the stage, so you guys can meet him, but please welcome the new director of regeneration, Ryan Nixon.